The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Welcome back, Chris. Seems like we were just talking yesterday. I wonder why that may be. Could it be we were just talking yesterday? Oh, wow. I worked all day today, so... uh, Plus the deadline, so it sort of felt like a week. But hey. I can agree with that. I I think it's... I I spent the day working as well. However, magically, the, the Twitter machine was up on my phone, and the trade deadline specials were on the television, so... Some tells me I should have taken the day off. So, <laughs> this should honestly be a holiday. It really should be a holiday. I agree. Trade deadline day, free agency day, um, first day of the playoffs, and um, actually the day after the first day of the playoffs because having spent all night trying to watch seven or eight games – Nobody is no, no <laughs> hockey fan is fully functional the next day. I love the I love I love the opening rounds of the NHL playoffs. There's like four games a day. They're every every day. They're, yeah, and just, they're the pace and level of play in the first round of the play of the NHL playoffs is n- unlike anything else anywhere. It's the word even without fighting. Mind. Even without fighting. It's more like an MMA grudge match than any other team sport. Yes. <laughs> it's <sighs> it's just gorgeous, a gorgeous tapestry of action and emotion. Ugh. And we'll be there again soon. The freneticism is uh, a joy to encounter. But we aren't here to talk about playoffs. Although we are some here teams to talk have... About- some nope, teams have waved the right white flag. Some teams have doubled down. What's your uh, – go ahead with what you were saying. No, I was just going to say we aren't here to talk about playoffs. We're, at, we're here to talk about that other holiday, which was trade deadline day. Today, yay, celebrate trade deadline day. And it was – we thought yesterday when we were talking that it wasn't going to be Anything. all that exciting. We actually talked about not doing this because – It didn't seem like there was much movement, but I think when we started the show yesterday, there had been eight trades all month, eight trades and none of them that interesting. No, nothing big, no big movers. But then come like 10 o'clock at night, suddenly there were some announcements made. And so what was your what were you going to ask? Um, I have a couple of questions to keep us rolling uh, for the show and theoretically focused. Uh, I know that focused isn't our, you know, best skill. Okay. But um, so question number one. Yes. Who was the most improved by the trade deadline? Oh, it's a toss-up for me. And it's only a toss-up because of the last-minute deal. And I still... I Oddly enough, and I hate saying this, I think it's Tampa Bay. Well, Tampa Bay is pretty good at cap uh, circumvention, but... Uh, and, and, why, and that's because they why added... Why do you think they're the most... Okay, 
Go ahead. Because they, they added a piece. They didn't focus on offense. They added a piece to what is already a solid, solid defense core. You've oh, got one of the top five or six defense. Uh, actually, I mean, theoretically, they may have added more. Well, they added more than one uh, defense. They added three because you have Brian Lashoff. You have. Um, uh, yeah, well, they had Fred Clayson, too, who Fred Clayson and then uh, the name the, that we're all most familiar with. But the big part of the the big part of of the deal where they got lash off because they had to involve a third team. That's how they ended up with lash off was the Red Wings and Columbus. And they add to they add David Zavard. And here at home, we were clamoring for D. And here at home, I say that because we're located here in Boston in, in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. We're clamoring for D, and yet they go out and grab, arguably, three. they go out and grab three D-men and arguably the best D-man that really was available. It turns out Matthias Ekholm, who wasn't moved, wasn't really available anyway because the Nashville Predators are resurgent at this point in time. Uh, Saros yes. playing better and everything else. And Although I did hilariously see Ryan Ellis as listed, uh, listed as a um – I, I love play today, and I was like, "Are you smoking crack?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you at one point that Rasmus Ristolainen was shown as in play. I, I'm more willing to believe Rasmus Ristolainen than Ryan Ellis. Yes, you and I both. I, but the fact that they added to defense and the old adage, "Defense wins championships." I mean, yes, you do have to score, but the idea is that you score and you stop the other team from scoring. They've already got goaltending in Vasilevsky. So they bolstered the other part of that equation, and they added to an already stout defense. And I think that with the way that that trade was done, there is a very strong argument that they won the trade, whether or not you're willing to believe they won the the free, uh, the, the trade deadline season. I... I'm not sure they actually won, My, I but mean, I don't think they lost. Right. I, I think they're definitely in the top third. Um, but the I argument, honestly – go ahead. No, I was just going to say the argument could be made that Washington with their uh, – just before the deadline or just after the deadline, depending on how you want to look at it, deal to grab Mantha, they paid a lot for Anthony Mantha. They gave up. They paid a huge amount, and I don't – what keeps me from thinking that they won is that on paper that trade was about even. Uh, the player who had the most offense creation this season went the other way. Um, between the guys involved in that trade and the other and the other deal that they made, they about broke even on the points front. Now, Sorry. chemistry, uh, position played. Um, personality, physicality, um, how much time people spend on the PK, the power play, handedness, all of those factors come in. But pure, raw, dirty numbers, they broke about even. But the thing for, and the reason why I didn't put them ahead of Tampa Bay is 
I don't feel that Washington is all that strong on defense. Yes, they have John Carlson. Yes, they have Dmitry Orlov. But yes, I don't they feel they're and Dan Chara. I still don't feel they're all that strong. They're, they're as strong on defense as Tampa Bay is. I think that Washington needed to focus a little bit more on the blue line, and they certainly need to focus more on the goaltending because as much as Vanacek is is stealing the net. And they've got Ilya Samsonov, who's, you know, super rookie or whatever. But uh, neither one of them has playoff experience in the NHL. I fully expected that there was, and I tweeted it out, that I thought that they would be looking at either Reimer or Bernier. Or even even at a stretch, you know, could you have stolen Chris Drieger from Florida? I don't think so, because Florida is, Florida wasn't wasn't a seller. So I don't see that happening. And Omar was off the market as of this morning because they said that he was going to resign with Buffalo because he wants to he wants to stay there. He's going to be the number one. So he wasn't available. I mean, there there should have been something done on the back end in Washington, and I don't think they addressed it. That's why I don't think they won. Um, I think people are going to say that I'm being a little bit weird about this one. And admittedly, I've started to lose some faith in the general manager, although the fact that the coach is still in place, despite all of the weirdness of this season, uh, speaks at least to me in his favor. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets won this deadline. I think they're clear winners. They picked up two first round picks didn't have to take on huge salary uh didn't have to take on a locker room cancer and they set they sent a big notice to the roster that this you, isn't good enough you could david the, savard david savard yeah longtime player you never hear anything bad about him but he's gone Mark, uh, Marcus Foligno, team captain. He's one of those guys who every team wants in their top nine. NHL Supermom. NHL Supermom. Amy Jones was not thrilled about losing Savard. <laughs> I I wouldn't be either. Um, she, it means more. It means more time and more pressure on her son and you know the other the other top demon who were left. But. They have. I, go ahead. I think looking. I think looking at it from that angle, I have to agree with you. The two big winners, and I'm not sure which one I would say one A, one B. I think the two big winners. You're right. One of them is Columbus. The other one has to be Detroit because Eiserman knows he's in a rebuild. And what did he do? He went out and he got some pieces that are gonna look good. Uh, Verana is is a good looking player and he's going to be, he's going to play really well. He lost Anthony Mantha, but uh, Anthony didn't seem to be too focused. You're a bigger Anthony Mantha fan than I have ever been. Um, Here's the other pretty. uh, Now they moved out. uh, uh, Columbus moved out close to, uh, 10 million in cap space for this year mm-hmm. for guys who were not signed for next year. 
So they have 12 guys. They have 12 people signed for next year. The only buyout money on the books is 400,000 uh, from Anthony or Alexander Wein or Wenberg. They have, but as far as the key pieces that they have, plus uh, Brandon, Brandon Dubinsky's um, long-term injured reserve money comes off the books next year. Mm-hmm. But as far as their, the core of their D goes, uh, Gustav, or Gustav Nyquist, who is currently injured, uh, he's a forward. He's still signed for next year. Warensky is signed for next year. Um, Active blue liners, Seth Jones signed for next year. Vladislav Garia, uh, Gavrikov, he's signed for next year. Dean Kukin signed for next year. Scott Harrington signed for next year. Gabriel Carson signed for next year. They have six NHL defensemen signed for next year. And based on what we've seen of Kukin and the growth of Harrington and obviously Jones and Wierenski, that's six guys you can start the season with if you can't find anyone you like in the offseason. You don't have any real work to do. Forward group is a little bit worse. I, I mean, you have, you only actually have three players, three forwards signed for next year, three active forwards, Cam Atkinson, Max Domi, and then Oliver Bjorkstrand. Uh, I'm sorry. Jack Roslovic is signed for next year as well. Um, the, and then um, Eric Robinson. So there's work to do on the front end, but three of the guys unsigned are RFAs, both Line A and um, Stenland. Kevin Stenland have uh, arbitration rights. Alexander Texier does not. But between some of those assets, people you can move between the draft and free agency, people who you can flip at uh, so that others can get a start on uh, their negotiation rights. Uh, you've got you've got a lot of room to push the reset button hard. I know a lot of people were expecting them to move one of their young goaltenders. I think it's smart that they didn't because at this point neither one of them has still seen a full season. Um, I think this is a really good reset. And if they can find one or two guys this offseason and get one or two guys from their system uh, to be consistent NHL players, and they've got, you know, Liam Foodie, they've got um, uh, let's, and a couple of other youngsters, well, they've got, they've got a good Line shot A's. of being better. Not Patrick Line is so inconsistent <laughs> that yeah, I, he's an amazing talent, but consistency. Um, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't exist. Um, I I, I, I want to throw a wrench into your into your your everything is great in Columbus. Uh, oh, it's story, not everything though. is great. But I clearly, think they, I think they a, identified what they want to do. They do have one other problem, and it's not literally on the ice, but behind the bench because. It's possible, and yes, I heard it on the TV. I didn't come up with this myself. I can't take credit for it. But from what I heard from a couple of the talking heads today on TV, they believe that it's possible Tortorella is done in Columbus. 
and that it's a mutual thing. It's not just that they want to get rid of him or he want it, it apparently it's a mutual thing. Uh, I don't know if I believe it. I don't know how frustrated Tortorella is with what happened this season. Well, he's 62 years old. That's plenty old enough to retire. I don't think he's going to retire. He doesn't strike me as the type that wants away from the game. The contract he signed in September of uh, 2018 was just two years. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, if they're done at the end of the year, so be it. It didn't work. Um, But I don't know. I think this year you really can't blame him. I don't know of any coach ever who could have gotten this team into the playoffs ever. Um, they're not as that, bad. I'm not saying that Columbus isn't, isn't uh, foolish because they are. I mean, Tortorella is, he has the pedigree. He's won Jack Adams award twice. Uh, he's got a Stanley cup. Uh, I mean, he's, He's got the resume. If he doesn't have the groceries, how do you expect him to whip up dinner? And it seems like this year there was an issue with the groceries. And then I don't know what Dubois' issue was. I Was it the coach? Was it the team? Was it the organization? I have no idea, but... That's gone, and it looked like it affected Dubois for a while. He's starting to come out of it now with Winnipeg, but or at least it appears like he's playing better. So I don't know. It was in his head for a while. Line A still not right. I mean, that was a tough deal. He, I just believe that Tortorella may be done with the headaches. He'd rather go somewhere else and not necessarily deal with a rebuild, but just deal with a little bit of little bit less discord on the team. Yeah. And when you take away sense. Savard when you take away Savard from a team where he's already, you know, lost to Orensky for the season, granted there's only what 14 or so, you know, depending on what t- mm-hmm. what your team is, how many games they missed, 14, 16 games left in the season. It's not that long, but then you're trying to get in the playoffs. Have they waved the white flag by letting Savard go and, and all the other issues? Oh, I think I, so. I think so. Um, and I, it, it's entire. It's still possible if one of their goaltenders or both of their goaltenders go on a hot streak, that they can steal enough games to get into the playoffs. We've seen Elvis do it before. Does that mean that I think that they're a serious contender to come out of the division? No, I think goalie hot on, streaks, goalie hot streaks really don't last that long unless you're Tim Thomas. Because <laughs> let's face it, uh, 2011, he was on a hot streak essentially from February when the rumbly tummy took uh, Tuka Rask out until the end of the playoffs. He had a really bad week and a week or so against um, against. Montreal in the first round, but even there, he was still okay. <laughs> they still won the series. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, if you, if you look at the lovely Discover Central, Columbus is, Columbus is nine points uh, away and in seventh place 
from Nashville. I mean, the hype on whether Chicago's going to make it, but Chicago seemed like they were a little bit of Chicago seemed like they were like in the middle of selling and buying because they brought in Adam. Oh, brought in they Gaudet. they absolutely blended. They 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 put the blender on puree. They, uh, they didn't move any of their core pieces, but then again, most of their core pieces are a hundred and dead by hockey terms. Um, but I mean, they moved like they made like se- they moved like seven or eight bodies. Uh, uh, I mean, is it that let's many? See. I, I just, yeah, because remember you have the Connolly trade, um, which was three oh, people yes. coming in. Well, of course you bring in Brett Connolly, and he takes over. You know. Right off the bat, as your, you know, he, he certainly replaces Jonathan Tays. Jonathan Tays and uh, and you know that guy named uh, Peter Patrick uh, Pylum Pyrus something or other. Pew uh, Suter. No, no, no. He's on a different team. No, Pew Suter is actually on the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> oh, okay. No, the other P guy. Uh, oh, that's kind of short. The 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 the, the, the guy from Buffalo. Uh, Patrick, P- Patrick, is it Kane or Walking Stick? It's something like that. Yeah, Shillelagh. Yes. Okay, so here's some of the guys who were brought in. I may have missed one. Um, they also, but they also brought in picks and players. Like they brought in. Uh, from Vancouver, they got a fourth round pick in 2021. Mm-hmm. From Vegas, they got second and third round picks in 21 and 22. Um, the Carl Soderberg back to the Avalanche trade. Oh, I forgot um, about that one. Yes. Dickinson and uh, Ryder Ralston came in. Ralston's a late pick. Dickinson's undrafted, but still two warm bodies. Adam Goddett for Matthew Highmore. Uh, that one was an interesting deal because Highmore actually played some during the pretend offs during the pretend offs. Yes. Um, so he's got a little bit of experience. Uh, Gaudette was moved because they Vancouver, I think, was getting tired of him for some reason and felt that a change of pace or change of scenery. Well, he would was do. never going to crack the top six there. And I think he can do that in Chicago. Um, going back to the Connolly trade, it was Brett Connolly, Henrik uh, Borgstrom, um, and then Riley Stillman. Plus, they picked up a seventh-round pick. Um, and then there was the Vinny Hinestroza pick on uh, pickup on the Vinny's went home. Yes, on the second. That's a lot of moving pieces. Um, I. Okay, so we talked about winners. Who, yeah. who moved the needle the most? Like, favorable or unfavorable, who moved the needle the most? Maybe that's where I should have put Tampa Bay. Um, the, in what way? What do you mean, move the needle? I mean, in. That's. It, it, which team right now is. is much better off or much worse off, but not necessarily long term for just this playoff run. <laughs> um, See, Columbus, I think, has long term made a great couple of moves. Yes, yeah, Detroit uh, moved a lot of needles, but not d- for they did. Now. Uh, they did. I I would say Tampa Bay. 
but I think I have to look up north and say Toronto. Toronto um, moved a lot of needles. I, I'm sorry. I know that we, I know that we were texting back and forth and and tweeting as well. I, I, and whenever you said to me that you thought that Getzlaff was going to Toronto, I was like, okay. Clearly because, and I texted it back to you, you know, clearly because, you know, you don't have to worry about it. They're all set defensively. They've got, you know, one of the most stout defensive cores. Why would you want to add to that, you know, defensive package that they have? Clearly but it's I, one of the best in the league. Um, but their their style of play isn't defensive and it's never going to be. It's just not. When you have guys like. a title, I'm sorry. Probably not. Um, when you have Marner and um, and Tavares and God, the laundry list of everyone else up there. Uh, well, Matthews. they have Joe. They have Joe Thornton. They've added. They've now added Nick Foligno. They <laughs> uh, well, see Nick. See Nick Foligno is one of the reasons I think that they are definitely improved, even if they're improved in a less needed area, because. M- there's a phrase there's a phrase that I really like that I think really only applies in most cases to bottom six uh, like bottom like fourth line guys and third third pairing mm-hmm. defensemen and that's glue guys we've heard it for years I have another term that I would like to use for guys like uh, Felino and uh, probably Charlie Coyle and um, maybe a couple of other guys who are somewhere further up the hierarchy, somewhere in your top nine or top four. Mm -hmm. Um, I would call these guys rebar. Like you can build without them, but the building is so much stronger when, um, and let's face it. When you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, roster before this trade deadline. Who is the guy who on that roster could you really, really look at it and say, this is the guy who is going to say, we're not going to let them push us around. And if they get in our faces, we are going to climb right down their throats. Crickets. crickets? I was going to say, you noticed exactly. the crickets sound. Uh, was maybe it's maybe nobody. it's the guy who's on long-term IR there, Fred Anderson. I don't know. I, it, it wasn't anybody. It wasn't any of the skaters. Maybe Jake Muzzin. Maybe Jake Muzzin. Because and now you have two of those guys. Yeah. Um, Jake Muzzin is so misplaced on that team. <laughs> they're not the most skilled guys on the roster, but they're certainly guys you're going to play regularly. And that regularity and stiffness of attitude – um, is, is something important. Uh, you know, we saw the Toronto Maple Leafs when they ran up against the Boston Bruins, they got beaten their head way before they got beaten on the scoreboard. Yes. Way before. I, I mean, I don't like doing this, but I do have to give Kyle Dubas a little bit of credit here though, because he did recognize the fact that Jack Campbell can't start every single game from now till however far they make it in the playoffs. And they actually went out and addressed the fact that they needed a goaltender. I'm assuming that this means that Anderson is not as close to coming back as they keep trying to make us believe he is. 
but they went out and they acquired David Riddick. Whatever you think of David Riddick, he's not going to be the number one. Jack Campbell is not surrendering this net, nor do I think he should, because even when he was with the Kings, you could see the talent was there. And now with the winning stretch that he's on and his save percentage is still in the 920s. I mean, but to bring in David Riddick and whether he was happy with Calgary or not is an NHL backup who has some playoff experience, good or bad. It's what needed to be done. So I have to give Dubas a little bit of credit there. And then question number the third. Okay. Who failed this deadline? Like straight up failed. Anaheim. Yes. On my list. Very near the top of my list. (laughs) Top of my list. Anaheim. They could have done so much more house cleaning and asset stocking. Doug Wilson, outside of making a couple of, outside of basically paying for a couple of draft picks, getting himself into as the third team, into a team, into moves as a third team, uh, you know, taking on retained salary and getting a draft pick in return. It's the it's the unofficial way of paying for a draft pick. Um, outside of doing that, they moved Yanni Hockenpah like right at the deadline, sent him to Carolina and got Hayden Ooh. Fleury in return. But there was so much more they could have done. That team, that's a locker room where they should have been replacing nameplates right, left and center uh, after the trade deadline. All day um, long, they were talking about Getzlaff and, and how he said Getzlaff apparently he told no, according to multiple sources, based on whether you believe TV or not. And, and Dre, oh, I believe whoever, he said it. He, I believe he, told, he said it. But I think Doug Wilson was asking a little too much for him. And that's why Vegas never came through. He wasn't going anywhere, but he wanted to go to Vegas. He wanted to stay close to home. I don't think he was ever going to Toronto, but the Toronto thing was a joke because all they ever add is more. I picked up on that. Yeah. I I mean, but he was, Ricardo Raquel was supposed to be moved. Um, and he's got a year left before he's an RFA. Mm -hmm. Um, Josh Manson, Josh Manson was supposed to be moved and you've got, a bunch of RFAs who I'm not sure I see as the future of the team. Sam Carrick, he's probably useful to someone. Um, it, we mentioned Josh Manson, um, Sh- uh, Shattenkirk. There is probably someone. There was probably someone out there willing to give Shattenkirk another run at the playoffs. I'm not 100 percent sure why. 100 uh, percent wa- sure why. But I'm sure there was someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's got decent. He's got decent points this year. Not great. He's he's certainly fallen off. But the whole team has fallen off. That's the point. Hit the uh, hit the big red button and get on with the earth shattering kaboom. You're not turning this into a playoff team without moving, without getting worse first. Yeah. Um, I think on the same note, Arizona failed. Half of their roster was on lists of of players available, and well, yeah, Connor we Garland was moved. up there. And we've um, been hearing about Connor Garland since February. Like his availability has been talked about since February. 
if if John Chaker were there, would they would they have been this quiet? Probably no. not. <laughs> he would have made at least one big move that had everyone saying, "I didn't see that coming." Yeah. Um, that yeah, he he. There would have been he would have done something to improve that team, whether it was now or for the future. He would have done something, and for them to sit and for them to stand pat the way they did, I understand that they're on the cusp. You know, they're in a fourth or fifth position, fighting. They're in a dogfight for a playoff spot. I get it, but standing pat, I, I they 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 should have done something. But I still think Anaheim was a Flat out failure. Uh, yeah. Anyone else? Off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh. I, I have two teams. Dall- I, I thought. About. I thought that Dallas was gonna be but more. Dallas in- had so many injuries that I don't know if they had the ability to move anyone else. Uh, without you know, bankrupting the farm system. That's true. Um, but I think that, I think that New Jersey could have done a little bit more. And I think that Boston failed. Their biggest need was, their biggest need was an offensive leaning defensive defenseman. They've got an offense. They picked one up, Mike Riley. Right. He's offensive leaning. I'm not saying that he's better than... Tory Krug by any stretch, he's not. He's not even worth considering. He's a depth defenseman, yes. But he's Tenorti 2.0. Okay. Might be he might be more offensively gifted than Tenorti, but how much is that actually saying? And he's played 244 games. He's got Eight goals. He's, well, I guess that rules out that offensive ability. Uh, sure, it's nice that he's got 19 points in 40 games this season. Mm-hmm. That that means he's at least aware of what's going on enough to make solid offensive, uh, solid offensive zone passes. But again, he's 27 years old. He was drafted. In 2011, the same year the Bruins won the Cup, well, actually, no, the year, yeah, the same year the Bruins won the Cup, and he's only played 244 games. That being said, I don't, that being said, it's not like they gave up two first-round picks and a a prospect one. They They gave up a third-rounder next year. Sweeney didn't overpay for the moves that he did, that he made. No, in fact, I I was waiting for the NHL network to actually accuse him of some sort of collusion because of how inexpensively he got Taylor Hall and and Curtis Lazar. Everyone knows that Taylor Hall has wanted to be in Boston since before his draft year. Bobby Orr was his guy. Hell, Bobby Orr was his agent. Bobby Bobby Orr is his agent. Um, (laughs) If there wasn't some sort of deep intent on Taylor Hall's part to get to Boston— uh, I don't know that there that anything anything any such thing has ever existed. Was there collusion? Probably not. But when no, both but sides know what they want, they're saying that Kevin Adams, as a rookie 
general manager let Taylor Hall dictate the terms. Apparently, Taylor Hall told him he wanted Boston, uh, or that Kevin Adams gave him, you know, came to him with the Boston deal, and he said he wanted to go to Boston. Uh, apparently, there were other deals offered that were "quote unquote" too late because they had already made the deal with Boston that could have netted this, the Sabres more in a package. Uh, I still, honestly, and and you want to shock everybody, I'm going to shock some people too. I honestly think that the bigger prize in that deal is Curtis Lazar. If you want, if you need a bottom six center, whether it's a three or a four, yes, I think that. But he's a two hundred. He's a two hundred foot kid. His attitude, his energy. Uh, and and how many people do you think are going to show up to the first game that he plays for the Bruins and start throwing hamburgers on the ice? Um, so he's our <laughs> not I, not many because remember? there's still not very many players allow, uh, fans allowed at the stands. But he's okay, probably he's got a good chance uh, of being liked in Boston. Uh, he's physical. He can play. All three forward positions, although he, he he did say in an interview that center is his natural position. Yes, which I'm OK with. Like if he can displace Coil to the center on the third line and now, Coil can. Go ahead. And Coil can actually produce something offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, maybe he maybe Lazar slides to the. Maybe Lazar sides to the right and Coyle plays center and they get their they both get their cookies that way. I don't particularly care, but I would really, really like to see Coyle's 200 foot game rewarded with uh, that stuff that happens just behind the blue point blue paint and that line that's always in dispute. My turn to ask a question. Go. And it's specific. Um, We know that. Marchand has the record for shorthanded goals for Boston Bruin. Yeah, we know how we know Patrice Bergeron's resume. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you heard either one of them in an interview actually say they liked killing penalties? Um, I don't know exactly. I'm not sure I ever have. Curtis Lazar but- actually said in an interview today that he likes killing penalties. He's good at it. That's that's great. Um, if he's, if he's, uh, if he's going to be enthusiastic about that and fits into the system, rock on. I look, I am always in favor of having guys who are enthusiastic about getting dirty. Um, if he's willing to go to the front of the net and tip pucks even better, like if at even strength, he can produce more offense and, you know, keep them from giving up more shorthanded goals. Win, 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 win. Like wins across the board. Um, of the three players brought in, yes, I think that Curtis Lazar has the best potential to be here in three years. Unless Taylor Hall can work his magic and make Sweeney give if, him the deal he wants. Okay, so there are. <laughs> Assume there are 14 go- games left when um, Taylor Hall steps on the ice. Yeah. Taylor Hall today is 29 years old. Um, to hit 
to cross the threshold for uh, Rick Nash, he needs to cr- he needs to get more than three goals in eleven games. <laughs> what's the what's the threshold regular season or postseason, assuming the Bruins make it mm-hmm. for him uh, to be resigned for you? From me? Yes. Or for Sweeney? For you. Assume the assume he will sign a four year contract for six million. What does he have to do between now and the end of the season uh, for him to make for him to be signed? I don't even know that it's fair. To, I mean, six goals and seventeen points. Six goals and seventeen points in fourteen games. Yes. Is that that's in the that's rest like of the, bare that's like bare minimum. I see. I don't. That's that. If he can do that, I would actually go as high as seven. But if he can get me, if he can get four goals, four goals, which is more than he's got all season with Buffalo. Well, he's only got two right now. Yeah. And have like seven assists, eight assists. Because the assists will tell me that he's the assists will tell me that he's learned what the other players are doing. Or intending to do so four um, goals, twelve points, twelve points in those fourteen games. Okay, so you're willing or, to accept less than a point per. Or, or yes. in the playoffs, get uh, equal. Like, let's see, what is his best playoff year? Not that he's had many. Um, Last year. <laughs> No, two years ago with with Arizona. Um, so his last playoff year was six points in nine games. If he can be better, equal to or better than his previous best playoff run, okay, I'm I'm in. All right, like a playoff run, I think tells you more about a player than anything else. Fair enough. And by the playoffs, he'll have had time to either settle in. Or suck so much that no one's try that he's that no one cares anymore. Like if he's not getting top two pairing top two line minutes by he's, he's game six of the playoffs. On. Oh yeah, okay. By by game six of the playoffs, he's yeah. either injured or sucking or not trying. There's there's no middle ground. They need offense. He's of everyone on the roster. Uh, he's, I believe the only, he's one of two guys to hit the 39 goal mark or is it three Marshand, I think hit 39 once. Uh, I believe so. Sounds familiar. So Marshand Pasternak and he have all hit 39. Um, any other trades that stood out to you? It stood out to me. Oh, um, yes. Brandon Montour to the Florida Panthers. Wasn't I thought he was picked up off of waivers, honestly. But yes, um, no. Florida Panthers. That's Florida the second, Panthers, by the way, had a pretty decent trade deadline. I'm they not picked saying it was up some great, nice but, pieces. Well, yeah. they didn't need to be spectacular. They they are playing with house money as far as it comes to getting into the playoffs. Yeah, if they, they make the playoffs. No one, which no one expected, anywhere out, anywhere more than five miles from Sunrise. 
Um, they're they they're doing. Gave up a third round pick for Brandon Montour. Mm-hmm. And so if they if they win the first round, whoever their opponent mm-hmm. is, they're very they're very nearly. Play, they're 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 I mean they have no more pressure on them. Like they win the first round because this is a team in 25 years that has only been to the playoffs. What was it we talked about yesterday? Three times, five times. I don't, uh, I don't even. Yeah. Think it's, I don't. I don't think it's any higher than five. But 25 years, less than a handful of times, only made it out of the first round like twice. If they can make it to the playoffs, which they should. And win the first round, which I think they could. Everything after the first round is house money. Like everything after round one is pure profit for that team. Because when ESPN this summer or this fall starts talking about next season and everyone in the nation hears the Florida Panthers played in the second round last year and they look to approve (laughs) upon that. They're going to go, holy bleep. I didn't remember that that team was still in the league. (laughs) And then they're going to say, if they're really expecting that team to go further, I should probably pay attention. And Miami, the Miami area is one of the fastest growing areas for startups um, you've got a lot of medical, you've got a, a medical device, uh, stuff down there, not very far from a lot of military stuff. So you've got tourism, you've got growing like upper middle class. Um, they can start selling out with devoted fans and driving their ratings up. This is, this is possibly the best outcome for that team. Yeah. Maybe even ahead of actually winning the Stanley Cup is going to the second round and losing. Well, winning the Stanley Cup them, is great, it, but it gives well, them room to improve. Yes. And finally, from me, I will say that um, I'm surprised you're not more angered by uh, uh, one particular move, and it's proof that these are that the Oilers are no longer. Peter Shirelli's Oilers, they're no longer the Oilers of, say, 10, you know, the last 10, 15 years because Ken Holland is in charge and they actually dealt, made a deal for a defenseman. They brought in Dmitry Kulikov. See, I like Kulikov. I know, and you thought the Bruins should grab him. I think he's, in general, more of an offensive guy than defensive. And that, I think, just exacerbates their existing problems. Everyone knows that team can score. Even people who are not Dreisaitl and McSavier. But the idea that they brought in, I mean, the last time they brought in a defenseman, they traded Taylor Hall for him. Yes. And that was a goofy trade. Everyone knows it was a goofy trade. That was, I don't know if Chiarelli was trying to say, yes, we value defense uh, with a straight face. Because clearly, no. Maybe he was trying to get fired. I don't know. That's a possibility, too. But it's it's clear that Ken Holland is is in charge now. They're dealing for defensemen, which I didn't think was going to happen the way that team goes. And they have Darnell Nurse. Yes, 
and Darnell Nurse certainly certainly should be considered in the conversation for the Norris. If he's not, then you're not paying attention. But the that's fact something that we they, should talk about Sunday. Fair enough. Um, and I think that's everything. I, there's just there's a lot to cover, but we'd be sitting here for hours talking about it. These are the big things. And we can talk about more individual trades on Sunday. Sure. Um, the thing, one of the things that struck me, uh, and this is essentially my final thought. When was the last time you saw two three team trades in the same trade deadline? That's a new, that seems to be a new thing, but it, it's there with were three. His, but with the cap flat cap and with money being what it is and the fact that they're just barely getting butts back in the seats, they're trying to find inventive ways to make players affordable. And this and is succeeding. the way around it. Yeah. I mean, Columbus was involved, I believe, in two of them. Yeah, two of them. And well, Detroit got Jose into, was involved in two of them. Detroit got into one because they were, and that was the David Savard one. Uh, I mean, that, that Chicago picked up those two, that second and the third in the uh, Yanmark uh, De Simone trade uh, that en- that ended up uh, buffering uh, Vegas. I'm a little bit surprised that uh, that um, that Colorado didn't do more, but not hugely. They brought and, in Dubnik, which again, playoff goaltending uh, with the issues they've they've had some injury issues with their goaltending. They brought in Johansson from Buffalo originally, but they needed. And they brought with, back. Um, they brought back uh, the Yeti Soderberg. Carl Soderberg, the devil you know, and they'll <laughs> slot him right in to kill and penalties. Everyone's happy, and they'll be happy. Yep. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our 2021 trade deadline supplemental. Uh, Have a great, uh, much shorter week. We will talk again on uh, Sunday. And uh, hit us up on Twitter and tell us your favorite and least favorite trades of uh, of the trade deadline season. Take care.